This is Jacob Ross with JLB Morelia. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And you're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Enjoy. For anybody who doesn't know, this is Dominique DeFalco. Hello. Our friendly neighborhood Ohioan. Ohioan. Oh, is that how it is? Ohioan. Ohioan. No. I'm I'm technically from Kentucky. I'm Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from the Commonwealth. From like where Cox is? No, he's at the other end. I'm at the very tip. My parents don't admit we live in Kentucky. Is he like in the middle of the state? No. Where is he? Bottom. Like bottom left? <laughs> or like... I'm glad you said bottom left instead of southwest. Because yeah. I wouldn't have gotten... <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah. He's in the bottom left of Kentucky in Louisville. It's not Louisville. It's Louisville. It's Louisville. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. It's all supposed to be like one, um, one syllable. So that means it's supposed to be Louisville Slugger? Yeah. Not Louisville Slugger? Well, that's like colloquially the term. Whatever. Sorry, should I not use big words? I know what colloquial <laughs> means. No. So Dom keeps green tree pythons and mm-hmm. ball pythons. And you have like a king snake, right? Yeah, I have a Ruthven's. Just kind of random. Yeah. Just Ruthven's just hanging out. Yeah. I mean, he's a good time, but I don't think I'm going to have him much longer. Why did you find a home for him? So he's from the rescue I work with, Mm -hmm. and uh, he was supposed to be an education animal, but he hasn't done any educational shows, and he's not awesome at handling, so he doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I miss Ruth Finn's man. We used to have some. They used to be pretty easy to come across. They're not anymore. He was, for some reason. He was dropped off at a Petco randomly and the rescue got called. Also, there's like an echo and yeah, I can I know. hear my voice. Let me see. Have you ever done a speech jammer? No. Do you know what that is? Uh-uh. That's how I feel. Like I really have to think about my words. Let me see. Can I put this down while I'm... Yeah, okay. yeah. Let's see. I'm adjusting phone. the... We can't like monitor ourselves. That's the problem. Mm. So, do you think it's because we're live? I think it's just the way StreamYard works. Mm. So, anyways, the one thing that I want to know, yes, is what was your experience getting into chondro pyth- like chondro pythons, mm-hmm. as someone who was like that's something I always wonder about, like knowing how some chondro folks are and how some groups are. Was would you say your experience in getting into green trees was a was a good one or was it kind of like intimidating? Um, I think that's it was intimidating. So I, my first snake was a green tree, which I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. So I had zero idea of how to do anything, like even how to get um, talking to people. So my first introduction was actually um, listening to Evan Browder on. Um, from the ground up podcast, Joe's podcast. And I didn't know that people kept green tree pythons as uh, pets, but they've always been my favorite animal. I don't know why I could have picked a much more interesting animal as my favorite, but that's the one. Like if you asked me my favorite animal, it's a green tree python. They're hard, I mean, they're hard to beat. They're really hard to beat, but like I could have picked a tiger. 
but I didn't. Um, and then so I reached out to Joe, which is hilarious because I look back on our messages because it like showed up like like my first messages to Joe and I was like, "Hi, I'm a huge fan." And now I text Joe <laughs> like hey, like bitch. like I literally. <laughs> I, I called Joe the other day because I found a beetle that I thought was cool. <laughs> like, like, it's definitely, um, it's been a change. Um, but I reached out to him and he recommended I reach out to Ian Bissell, Bessel mm-hmm. to get my, uh, to talk about getting a green tree. And so I started that process in like April of 2018 and I finally purchased a green tree in October of that year, right mm-hmm. after Tinley. So I really, my goal was to get a green tree python, but at the time I was, I'm still in school, but I was in school and I had to have it at my parents' house. Right. So I needed to convince my parents to let me get a snake. So for my 21st birthday, we went to Tinley. That was my gift for my 21st birthday. And my mom told me I could get a snake and I ended up after going back and forth about a ball python or a corn snake. Mm-hmm. She was like, those aren't good looking. So we got a green tree. Um, and then when I actually started to get involved in the community, it was like, it was super intimidating, but I think Morelia as a whole is welcoming if you come into it the right way. Um, so coming into it with an idea of like, I want to learn as opposed to this is what I'm going to do, or this is what I am doing. Um, cause I think that's what I see mostly in the groups and like Facebook and stuff is people come in with these really elaborate setups or have like really, uh, have their mind made up of how they're going to keep mm-hmm. an animal. And then that kind of gets you ostracized. And, help, and then when people are like, you're already doing it wrong. And then people get upset because the way they thought they had it. Yeah. Was yeah. right. And it's not. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I can take off my headphones. Yeah. <coughs> and I got, you know, I joined the, the big groups like the Morelia Viridis forum. Mm-hmm. And then, um, just green tree pythons, Morelia Viridis, that one. Um, and then from there, I just started connecting with people on, like, Facebook and Instagram. I think Instagram was the big way mm-hmm. I first started talking to people because I know I reached out to you. Yeah, I think it, a lot of, it seems like a lot of people are kind of moving to Instagram more than, than Facebook. And mm-hmm. Well, there's it's less personal on Instagram, I think. You can keep it very, like, snake-centric as yeah. opposed to people needing yeah. to know. If like, you want to see certain things, you can follow it to see that. Otherwise, like, I see... Other than like Instagram stories, I see no political stuff on Instagram. Yeah, me neither. Which I love. And I like, we already I, get inundated with that stuff enough. Yeah. I'm trying to get away from it. <laughs> and I have a, a couple accounts, and like, I've had this conversation with people before who like, I'm like, you don't have to follow my personal account. That is your choice. But if you do, like, that's where I'll post things about mm-hmm. my life and things going on. But if you just want to be my snake friend, easy peasy. Yep, we got go. an account for it. Yep. You know and. It's worked out well. I've made some really good friends that way. Mm-hmm. So, because I don't know, looking at the Condro groups and stuff, and knowing how sort of that community can be, like I do feel for people that are kind of coming into it in a way because I know that it's it is intimidating. Like you, there's a there's all the misconceptions about the species being hard. There's guys that just or people that got to make it seem like it's a much more serious or bigger deal than it really is and like i don't know i mean it's like we were talking about before with like the ball python stuff and like how do you that's not really a a a part of the hobby you just kind of just walk into and Mm -hmm. you're like yeah i'm gonna do something new and different it's like you're not reinventing the wheel buddy like everyone's done we've already done that yeah and i think i was lucky in um 
There's Phil. Because I had so much time between when I was able to get my first snake and mm-hmm. like when I wanted to, because um, I did read every book I watched. Yeah. I you know I watched every video. I read all the care guides. So um, I had that. But I think you see a lot with green trees. Um, and I'm generalizing here, but it's often an impulse purchase. Mm-hmm. And people, and I think that's where they're notoriously difficult comes from because someone buys it at a show and it's probably mm-hmm. sick and. Already, you're dying already and the <laughs> odds are stacked against you from the get go. Yeah, and they Whoa. do they do have like somewhat specialized care, but once you have it, you're, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You're home free. Because so. I, I mean, your first snake was a chondro. Luke Myers, his first snake was a chondro, mm-hmm. and it was the same thing where he had he had just done as much research on it as he could. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, part of it is you can, uh, I mean, you can read about things all day long and it's not the same as actually doing them right you know so it's like there is a a degree of like learning as you go Mm -hmm. i think like physical hands-on sort of messing up a lot but lots of stuck shed lots of Mm -hmm. like refused meals and you know it's one of those things where it's like obviously i want to do everything that's best for my animal but i freaked out at the beginning like if a piece of shed was stuck Mm -hmm. or if it um didn't eat every time and it's just kind of like meh like, it'll be fine yeah you know the um i mean i wouldn't recommend condors as a first snake but could someone keep one as their first snake absolutely like it's yeah. they're really they're not difficult snakes to keep it's Mm-mm. just they're they require uh, there's there's you have less of a margin for error mm-hmm. i think if i did it again i would start with a carpet yeah yeah just because i think it's got the uh it's got what I like in a green tree, mm-hmm. which is I'm just attracted to arboreal species in general. Right. Um, but it's it's a bit more forgiving, and I think um, there's a lot more variation you can go. And truth of the matter is, as like much as it sucks, is like you'll you're gonna lose animals as you keep them. Um, and buying an eight hundred dollar animal for my first ever animal mm-hmm. was freaky. Like I was kind of well. Scary. There is yeah. I mean, when you have a a high dollar animal, you know, whether you're, I, I hate to sort of compare things on a monetary value, but it definitely does make things a little more nerve wracking when you're like, yeah. I just spent this much money on a snake and mm-hmm. now I'm like, don't kill it. Yeah. All right. We're going to get into like actual podcast stuff. Let's do it. Let's do it. I want to know as well, not only your experience with green tree pythons mm-hmm. and getting into them, mm-hmm. but you started the female herp group yeah female herpers and reptile keepers what was the motivation behind that i was getting tired of all the boys oh my god i hate that so much oh no i mean (laughs) (laughs) you know it's been like uh, a great group and it was just we started in june and actually on my drive over here we hit 700 uh members which is really exciting Mm -hmm. yeah it's been really great um and it was mostly made as a way to connect um, women in the hobby because just in general. Um, it's mostly a boys club. Yeah. And it can be a bit intimidating to get involved, especially th- like we said that I'm uh, I'm not too shy. I'm willing to speak with people and mm-hmm. stuff, but that's not common necessarily. Um, and so it's been like an awesome way to connect women in the hobby and then also find other women who are in your species, maybe if it's more niche mm-hmm. or if in your area too. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It has been um, a really excellent experience for me to speak with um, other women in the hobby. Um, and we include non-binary people as well. So if you're interested in joining, feel free. Um, 
it's been really great. Um, I've met a lot of people. I've started to recognize names a lot more. Um, and then we've had some great conversations about helping propel women in the hobby too. Mm-hmm. And then it's also led to a lot of discussions with like our friends about how we can have like good allies from the, the men in the hobby too. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, we talked about, so we had Kendra mm-hmm. and Jeff on last week and she kind of talked about that where she's been in the hobby longer than Jeff has. Mm-hmm. And when there are shows, Jeff goes to the bathroom or something and people come up to the table to ask questions and, you know, they're under the impression that it's Jeff's table and she's just there helping out when it's actually more or less kind of the opposite. <laughs> um, even though they're they're in it together. Uh, yeah. But I know, like, being in the Crested world for a while, that was that there's a lot of a lot of women in Cresteds and Chihuahuas and Rachidactylists or whatever you want to call them now. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a surprising amount of f- females in Condros, too. Like, yeah, especially like ones that are his like historic in chondro propagation. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Colette Sutherland and mm-hmm. um, what's her name? I think her name is Kim. She's with Southern Chondros. I don't know if she's even breeding Chondros anymore, but she was. She had some really nice stuff, and she was doing really cool things for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she still breeds. I'm not 100 percent sure, but um, but then you have also people like Pia and Doctor Susan that are on like the medical side of things that are putting a lot of good information out there about you know viruses and, and whatnot mm-hmm. um, i know nipper i'm sorry i said niche not niche it's niche okay so i'm sorry i go back and forth because i feel like an idiot um but yeah no it's been abs- like absolutely awesome and what kendra brought up is has seemed to be like a recurring theme of a lot of um women who run their own businesses or maybe are the breeders mm-hmm. um bringing partners to shows and having their male partner be spoken to more um i get that at shows i go to a lot of shows by myself and a lot of times people won't pay attention to me it's just fine because if you're not going to give me the time of day i'm not going to buy from you it's just the yeah. truth um but it's it can be really disheartening especially for people starting um, I can see that. And uh, and you're right that there are species that are definitely more female dominated, mm-hmm. like a lot of the geckos, which is like awesome. And I think it's um, because it's a good entry, uh, entry level animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, you know, get into it really quickly, which is great. And I have some yep. great uh, crested breeder friends. Um, but then you get into more niche unit uh, <laughs> niche corners of the hobby. Uh, that's for Nipper and. Um, it can be harder to find women. And I think with Morelia and stuff, especially green trees, I did find a few women that I've become mm-hmm. close with. Um, but it took a bit to get there. Yeah. Um, and it's, know. it, I mean, it makes you nervous to like reach out to someone and be like, Hey, I kind of want to be your friend. <laughs> obviously being a guy, mm-hmm. I've never, I don't, I've, I a haven't dealt with and B don't really see sort of the, um, the passing over that you see at shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm, I pretty much assume everybody, if they're behind a table, they, I mean, a, if they're selling at a table and they're with someone that's, you know, whether they're a wife or something or a husband, like if they're behind the table. I expect them to kind of know what's go like what's being sold and have at least a general knowledge of what they're selling, you know, whether they're just there to help out or not. But, um, but see, I come from a time when you can't give them that much credit, regardless of their gender. 
True. Because so many times I've been to a show and, you know, and I don't want to say I intentionally talked to the man, but it happened to be the guy that was there with his wife. And he says, you know, how can I help you? And I say, oh, you know, how old is this? And, oh, is this the subspecies or the, or the, the other one, blah, blah, blah. And he has no idea. And I imagine, and then I ask, and I kind of look at the wife, and she gives me the same look, like I really have no idea. And that's because it's his hobby, not hers, or vice versa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's that's kind of everyone's sort of default because that's kind of what you know, that's what you see more often than not. Mm-hmm. But as far as like people looking to buy, like women looking to buy, and guys being like, well, you know. What are you going to do with a rough scale python kind mm-hmm. of thing or whatever? I don't know. I don't I'm not I don't have much of an opinion as far as the whole like feminism and that kind <laughs> of stuff. It's just kind of like I just don't uh, think it's like about feminism necessarily though. Like I think that's like I wouldn't throw that in there necessarily. I would just say that it's about expanding people in the hobby in general. Yeah, I mean like equal treatment you know? kind of thing. I get that. Yeah. But, you know, it's just the I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. But, but um, at the shows especially, I think, like, things um, obviously feel like things may have gotten... I think things have gotten better. But even just little things that I do... When I go to a show, I always wear a herp shirt mm-hmm. so people know that I'm there getting yep. herp stuff. And I've brought guys to shows before, like, male friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it is interesting because they always get the hello first and, like, what are you looking for? Which it's, And those are just the kind of things that it's good to be cognizant of and be aware that maybe that's like implicit bias in that regard. Um, and we have a lot of conversations like this in the group. So the group is, Mm -hmm. um, I want to emphasize to anyone who may be concerned. We have like a strict, no misandry. So no man hating. There's no saying shit about male keepers because fat Phil wolf's the devil. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, that's an exception. Phil, we can Peacock talk shit about said who let her on. <laughs> we, we have a subreddit about Phil. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I think that's like important, it, but it really has just been a way of, um, I think it's become a really great mentorship circle too, because, um, like, yeah, if you're coming into it, like, yeah, knowing that there's a group, specifically like where it's not like there's i guess i can see there being sort of an intimidation factor of like this is a boys club i don't know what i'm doing mm-hmm. and yeah. asking stupid questions and we um we've got like pretty strict rules set up and like guidelines so when you mm-hmm. first see the group that it's like we're very um very focused on positive constructive feedback so we have like no none of the um okay i can't say we have none of but we pay very close attention to making sure that there's not like husbandry policing because people keep their animals differently Mm -hmm. so we have some people who keep bioactive some people who keep in racks yada yada but also being open to like conversations of the difference between both Mm -hmm. but we've got a lot of people who will, will join in the group um and be like, hey, I'm interested in this species who keeps it. And then six people comment, and then you can just talk to them. And I do want to point out Scott Iper. Iper? Yeah, nice. Um, Scott Diaper. Scott, Scott um, his wife Ty, has a great group as well um, that focuses um, on female keepers. And they are mainly based in Australia, but I'm in that group too, and it's super fucking awesome. Um, so theirs is the Herpers Group, capital H-E-R-P-E-R-S. Um, and I love promoting both groups because there can never be too many um and that group is really great because nipper did ask the question about female venomous keepers they have a really large presence of female venomous keepers in that group too that's all they have to keep over there is venomous <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> we venomous carpets. <laughs> in um in my group we have uh we have a few as well, which yeah. has been great. Yeah. Um we have a a couple different species. It's definitely not the most prevalent. Right. Um, but there's been some great conversations and great uh showcasing about mm-hmm. that. Um, which has been really awesome to um to learn about for me as well, because I'm still new to learning about that too. I mean I do think we are to like sort of a turning point in the hobby with obviously the internet and everything where you are seeing more people from, you know, very diverse backgrounds and different walks of life and stuff. Um to where I'm sure it's becoming much more normalized that we have, you know, more women are in the hobby now than there probably were 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, you know, so I think like any, everything else, the internet sort of becomes more of the a melting pot, even if it's a melting pot that's on fire. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, Very it's, cool. it's, it's awesome. I mean, I have, I feel so lucky to have um, had the support I have too from like a lot of my male friends like Phil and Justin you guys have been great um mentors to me in the hobby too and I am I am in no way an expert on anything I do nor would I consider myself a mentor to anyone but building these friendships has just been incredible in the group um yeah it's been (laughs) awesome you know and a huge shout out to Jake wish he was here but Jake was the one who really pushed me to start it is it something? Oh, really? I, yeah, it's something I I'd spoken that. about with him a few times, mm-hmm. and and it goes into the. Um, I was kind of surprised that it hadn't existed. Really well, before, so like, at least groups in the past have existed, um, <clears throat> to my knowledge. I have not been involved in them, and so I don't want to um, speak poorly on other groups. But a lot of what I've seen is that there was strong backlash from male keepers. Really. Um, that kind of cause groups to fizzle or mm-hmm. male keepers trying to join groups and cause trouble, Yeah, which luckily we haven't had any problems with. I can see that too. Guys um, like, I'm going to find me a girlfriend. I'm going to go yeah, to one of these groups. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, like and it's, it's, it's not a dating app. Freaking free for all. <laughs> it's not. I, 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 I kind of tried. Yeah. Phil was like <laughs> asking, he's like, well, do you need male guidance? And if we need a male guidance, you'd be the last person I turned to anyways. Oh, um, I didn't, I never once said male guidance, mind you. <laughs> I, was just like, I was like, listen, I'll just lurk in the background just so I could be a fly on the wall. And she's no. like, no, you don't have the right chromosome. Yeah. Well, um, but yeah, but, uh, groups of the past have existed and just kind of fizzled out of the ages. I think with the speed at which my group, I'm sorry, I don't want to say my group, our group is growing. And then also having, um, another group such as ties has just been awesome because kind of the two at once, uh, you know, double teamed has been really yeah. great to get people, um, a little bit more aware. Um, you know, and it's just, it's fun too. It's just cool to see people's species and ask questions and stuff. It seems I think with a lot of Facebook groups, there kind of has to be like the right recipe for one to sort of be successful. Because you see groups all the time that have 200 members, but then Facebook says there's a post like once a month. Yeah, and we you know? we got um. And yours, I mean, it took off quick. It took off quick. You were like 100 members in the first like two or three days, right? Yeah. If not sooner. Yeah, I th- and we're I mean reaching 700 members has been like that's really exciting. Um, but we actually got uh banned earlier this week for a fun day. Because Facebook came in and is like, you're selling animals. And we were like, no, we are not. And we almost got the group taken down. So that was that was scary. Um, mainly because... Almost got zucked. We almost got zucked. Mainly because I've, I've made a lot of friends in this group. And it has been really awesome and really fun. Um, 
So, but we try to keep the group very open. Um, we've got four admins from all different species, mm-hmm. like keeping, which has been fun too, because people can give advice and insight. And then just the variety of animals you see has been great. Like we have a lot of geckos. We have a lot of the yeah. like more common species, but then um, we have some venomous keepers. We got some pe- people who keep like false water cobras and crebos mm-hmm. and those aren't things you necessarily see women handling on right. a day-to-day basis so it's been really fun mm-hmm. well no it's neat because like i said i mean i'm kind of surprised that i would think just given how how facebook groups have sort of taken the place of forums and stuff like that that a group a sizable group that's actually active and has people actually engaging them you know each other in it mm-hmm. i'm surprised that hadn't existed before at least on a you know even if it was on a smaller scale but I don't know. I mean, it made sense. Mm-hmm. I remember when you were talking about doing it, I was like, that first question was, there's not already a group that does that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think when you have sort of the crossover of the U.S. group, or the, I guess, this side of the globe, that group, and then the Australian group, it's pretty cool. Because I'm sure there's, there's, I would imagine there's a lot more female keepers in Australia mm-hmm. than over here. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I don't know, maybe that's just because of the amount, like, the popularity of the hobby over there and, like, especially venomous stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just... It's cool. It's cool. And then only other thing is that it's it also, I think, um, it's kind of going back to our first conversation, the fact that I got into the hobby in Morelia, mm-hmm. um, which is already a small group that seems to be pretty tight-knit, um, having made those friends there and having... Marilia keepers um support us yeah. and kind of get the word out and you know post about it on facebook and instagram and mm-hmm. and really do that is we got a lot of women who were already pretty involved in the community who then added a bunch of people mm-hmm. who were also uh you know in it so we had we started off with a group of women who were pretty <laughs> pretty well invested in in mm-hmm. the community to begin with mm-hmm. yep. we got i mean not that many come to mind to me when I think of people. And I guess this is something me and Phil were wanting to talk about tomorrow night on Snakes and Stogies. But, like, uh, the hobby versus community. Because mm-hmm. it does kind of tie yeah. into cigars. Like, you have yeah. you have cigar guys that smoke cigars and you have cigar smokers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just like anything else. You got guys that are that play golf and you have golfers. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a very big difference. And so... I'm sure there's plenty of people in the hobby, but then you think about people like women that are in the community. Like I think about, you know, you because the group and stuff, obviously. And, you know, we talk a lot, um, but like April, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she does a lot with bloods and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Colette. Uh, I mean, there's, I know there's some others that are, that do venomous stuff. Maybe they don't necessarily keep it, but they're like a husband-wife team. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple on Instagram that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, crested geckos. I mean, there's a ton of crested gecko breeders that are that are females. And I know that was kind of odd when I got into cresteds and sort of scoped out the landscape. And I was like, there's really not that many dudes that yeah. breed cresteds. Like, it's mm-hmm. almost the complete opposite. Like, it's Which is really interesting. It's yeah. very bizarre because it's like, why are these... Why is this more of like a female dominated market? I have and no I idea why. I don't why. know what the. I don't know what it because I think crested geckos <laughs> are just the like they're the best. I love crested. Yeah, I mean, Tracy Barker, Scott said, Pia. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Kristen Wiley. Emily Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some incredible names of women in the hobby. My goal would be by the time I get out of the hobby, you know, I'm really young. I'm, I, I hope I don't get too tired too soon, Mm -hmm. but I would like it to be that as quickly as you can name, like the five men that inspire you in the hobby, you can name the five women. And we can ask that for like every keeper, you know, and eventually we'll get to the point where you don't have to ask to delineate between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And it's just a, a simple way of saying it. Um, but you know, it's great. It's been such a rewarding experience. It was a very good COVID project because, man, have I spent a lot of time on Facebook. Do, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Scott says in academia, there's even more. Yes. Which, I mean, that's that's something, too, that a lot of people, depending on even on any level in the hobby or community, depending on how you look at it, that probably don't even yeah. could name any of them. Yeah, and that's actually been something that's been a big push for me in the last couple months is getting women in academia involved in the group. Mm -hmm. And one woman who I will look up to till the day I die, her name is Kristen Heckbender. Um, She is a hellbender researcher from... from Kentucky I believe she's still getting her doctorate Mm -hmm. and she has been involved in the group and she posted the other day she's like I just love the community here and I about cried I was like so excited (laughs) I was like thank you Kristen (laughs) um and I think that's that's like fundamentally a thing that's just um kind of goes across the board is that women in academia are very prevalent and often um once again often overlooked Mm -hmm. but then I think there's already kind of a divide though between That's the exactly private sector and academia. There's, like, there's, there's already a, a, mm-hmm. a sort of separation between the church and state kind of thing. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. I have found a lot of women in academia who are also keepers mm-hmm. and who have been great assets to the group, and then also just my growth in general and mm-hmm. and um, using as resources. Um, we've got a thread in the group of. Um, Twitter is a large place for uh, women in academia, women in science in general. Mm-hmm. So you got a big thread there of the best. I tried um, to get into Twitter. I love Twitter. I, never, I, never I love Twitter. I except I deleted I like, it a couple too, weeks ago. We're going to get fast. back into it. But they have a, a large women in STEM presence there that I, I try to highlight too. Oh, Henry says the head of the Thai Red Cross is a woman. Cool. And then Scott yeah. says still a ratio of one female to four males. Yeah. So it's definitely... There's there's room there's there's growth. Growth opportunities for sure. I think it's fair to say that when it comes to Nido though the first person people think of when Nido comes to mind isn't Cody. Mm-mm. It's Pia. Like yeah. anytime I think of Nido, I think Pia and Dr. Susan. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted my experience has been pretty much communication with them about it. Mm-hmm. You know, five questions, I'm messaging Pia. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of that's been I'm sure that's changed for some, like that's, that's opened people's minds a little bit to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't, I don't know of anybody going straight to code and being like, Hey man, what's up with Nido? Cause Cody will mm-hmm. just be like, talk to talk Pia. To Pia. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, not that he doesn't know a lot about it, but Pia's definitely more involved, I think in that and sort of the research of it, you know, working with fish head and stuff that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I said, he's, she's the first person that comes to mind when people start talking about Nido. I'm like, well, what did I talk to Pia about? What has she told me that people, other people may not know or something that hasn't been talked about as much when it comes to that, that disease. Mm-hmm. But Phil, as a woman in the hobby, what's it like? Oh my God. Don't even let Phil have this platform. I was actually, I was going to say that um, I think that your group is great for a bunch of different reasons. But one of the real things that I noticed on the internet is that, yeah, we, we as men get a little butthurt because we can't join your club. But at the same time, I've seen so many women 
take the initiative to ask a question, a viable question, a good question. And the first thing that happens is some male jerk basically berates her and treats her like crap. And it oh makes God, her yeah. See, I don't that's what I was talking about. Like I don't and it makes her that. not it makes her not want to ask another question. But granted I'm not I, in a lot of groups, so I don't subject myself and, to it. Like, I'm and just not that on, active in the public forum. You know, I, I look at it this way. Let her be in, in this women's group. Let her ask the question. And if none of the women in there can answer it, and they have to seek an outside opinion, or they have to seek a male opinion, because he happens to be the authority at the time, hopefully the group has enough dude friends like myself, or Justin, or Billy, or Jake, or Chris, or Ryan, or whomever, that they can send them to and say, you know what, Justin actually knows a lot more about that than me. And he's not going to treat you like a child. Yeah, we do that all the time, all all the time. And I think, yeah, yeah, we do. And I think it's been really cool to see people get involved in the group and like ask those questions and, and, um, encourage them to talk to other people. Cause like I said, it's, it's not a man haters club. It's just a way to connect with other women and connect with people who, um, maybe feel more comfortable asking the question first. And, and going back to what you said, Phil, is I've talked about it with like you as friends and stuff. Um, my first, um, my first introduction to the hobby was actually working at a reptile rescue where I help with animal rehab. And I have, I, I rarely answer questions, but if you ask me a question about an animal that has like an injury in general, I can give you a pretty good idea of what to do. Um, and one thing I've noticed, and this is something that I, I don't expect um, any of guys to necessarily notice, is that whenever I answer a question, and I see this a lot with women too, we feel the need to quantify our or, or qualify ourselves as, as answering the question well. So I will always say, hey, I work at a rescue. I work with these kinds of injuries. This is what you do. Whereas every time I see a guy answer, he just says, this is what you do. Yet I am often the one who gets responses saying well we're not experts you don't necessarily know that's the best option and that's and and it's discouraging and i I get why i'm not an expert i get i'm not an expert but i also will tell you now that this is what experts would probably tell you to do because i work under them every day i'm equal opportunity when it comes to stupid answers and wrong information (laughs) yeah and and um and Scott said that it's common for women to get comments about their appearance. Um, 100%. That's something that I see a lot happen. A lot of times guys will uh, slide into DMs and stuff um, for a lot of the people I've talked to. And like Nipper was saying, it doesn't happen as much in Europe, which is nice. And I hope that is how it kind of continues here. And I think that that goes a lot into one of the first big conversations we had in our group was um, discussing like the idea of a booth babe. And how a lot of times um, you're at the booth and you're talking like you're the you're the authority on the subject. But people look at you as if you're the one that uh, is there just to attract other people to come to the booth when that's not necessarily the truth. Is that a thing? That is most definitely a thing. Yeah. Not so much in in reptiles, but like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely like car shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But it happens. It it also is the term for. So I'm traditionally like I'm I'm studying technology. Mm -hmm. So you see it in women in STEM, too. Oftentimes um, you're chatted up and then not spoken to like the professional that you are just in general. So the term being a booth, babe. 
having mm-hmm. nothing to do with how they're dressed or how they actually look, but just. Well, I've always noticed too, is that especially with my personal, my industry, when I go to trade shows where it's all meet and greet and order like for the girls. Well, not even that. Imagine, imagine the monster girls dressed in a business suit who are taught and programmed either what to say or just enough about the material so that they can keep you on ice and then hand you off to a salesperson. Mm-hmm. So like, and I also want to make it clear that, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say is that I don't see that in reptiles, but I feel like the person that goes to the expo and is expecting that is the same person that goes to the reptile show and happens to see the girl standing there or the guy standing there. And they assume that mm-hmm. they're, you know, the, the, the booth bunny and they're not, they're normal. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, I think too, um, one of those things that I don't want it to seem like I am judging any woman for maybe helping attract people to their booth or whatever, because that is, I'm in no place to judge a woman or anyone else by how they conduct business and like get people to their booth or whatever. But I think the assumption that people are just there, um, to be eye candy or to be, an attractor um, for every person is, is, is frustrating. And Cox made a good point about women in reach it groups um, showing off a snake and, and like people trying to hit on them. I see that a lot. It's like, I'll take pictures with my animals. Um, and I usually like, honestly, if I'm dressed nice, I like to take out my animals and like get a picture. Cause I think it's kind of like nice, but I will very rarely post them um, because I don't want it to come across as me trying to show off or like, trying to get attention when you see guys Solicit. yeah when you see guys all the time taking selfies of the snakes and no one ever thinks that they're the um trying to shirts and- yeah <laughs> and no one ever thinks that they're trying to you know get a girlfriend with their snakes like i'm not trying to get a boyfriend with my snakes that is not the goal right. and i think well, a lot of people think that but you also you can't knock them like yeah there's a lot of creepers and there's a lot of dirt bags out there but you can't knock a guy for seeing a, a, a girl that he finds attractive who happens to be into his same hobby and he goes oh my god she's cool she likes snakes and she's pretty i need to dm her right now yeah but i don't think that's how they go about it yeah I and i also i also just <laughs> i think it's draw. i think there's a different way of saying like hey i saw your animals that's really cool as opposed to being like you must want to see my penis yeah which <laughs> is something that happens or being or just being like hey you're hot this like is clearly she she she's like she's I'm always for, I'm for always down to make picture. new friends, um. But I don't really want to flirt with you because you think my snake is like you. You obviously aren't like you can tell when there's an ulterior motive. I got you. You know, I think you should you if you're reaching out to someone like this, you should be reaching out because you genuinely like the content they're posting, like their animals, and then maybe third because they're pretty. I'll tell you, I get discouraged from talking to girls with snakes online because I assume that their inbox is exploded with dirtbags trying to get in their snake pants. Genitalia. Well, I think it's and, like... And now I'm like, well, crap, I'm not even going to message her because like, not even like as a friend because she's just not even going to open it. She's going to assume I'm one of those guys. Well, then try to build a relationship with her first. Like, for example, Phil, like we talked first on snakes and stogies and like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. and then because of that, I didn't assume you were a dirtbag drying, like sliding into my DMs. And I do not later. <laughs> now, now you're, I know you're a dirtbag. And I like, <laughs> like, again, I can't speak for everyone in the hobby, but this is just my experience and the general experience of my friends. Well, there's like the pictures that you were talking about. And then you get the pictures of like a snake and massive cleavage. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. Does that like frustrate you? Because that's kind of. No, because that is if that is how like someone chooses to dress and that's the photo that they choose, that's fine. It. <laughs> but if it's just a snake and cleavage, it's like, I don't. I don't. I don't have room to judge. I no, think I will keep it very. I will. I will just say that is that I am understand the the mentality. But to, I can't tell you the mentality of someone if I don't if I haven't if spoken I with them. Snake or, with my cleavage, nobody likes it. But people, but like you know, I it, think my cleavage is pretty pretty rocking. All right, post your cleavage. I'll probably do it. Heard you wouldn't. Taken down. Heard you wouldn't. Double dog dare you. Phil would like it. Nipper would like it. <laughs> I won't. I won't lie. Like I'm about to say some chauvinistic shit. If I see a girl with the big cleavage and the snake, I got to be honest. I'm probably not going to take her seriously. And I think that's stupid. Because, because I, I think, in my, but in I my chauvinistic in my chauvinistic yeah. mind, I'm programmed that an educated woman isn't going to take these pictures, which I, I obviously I know that's wrong. That's I, yeah, I, I know and correct. But that's something that I've observed in myself. And I think it's important to like recognize that's something you observe in yourself because earlier this year, I don't know if like you guys are following, but there was a um, a very misleading quote unquote scientific article posted about women in medicine how they shouldn't post pictures of themselves in bathing suits because it me- lets other people not take nice. them as seriously. Exactly. And it's that mentality that like women can't exist outside. Like women can't exist as people like comfortably in their body and in their clothes and still have intelligence in the same regard. And I, I apologize that I can't give you more sources regarding that, but it was a huge debacle in women in STEM and women in medicine, particularly that occurred earlier this year. And is really interesting because, um, that seems it's just it's straight ridiculous. up chauvinistic. Yeah, and it was written by um, it was it was written by I think it was like four men. Like, of course, you're not like that. Once again, it's like you're not getting anywhere near the right content, and it shouldn't matter that I po- like am in a bathing suit versus the fact that I'm in right now like a sweatshirt and jeans. That doesn't change my intelligence. It doesn't change my knowledge on the topic, and like understanding that you Phil, see that and take her less seriously like take a step back and ask yourself why like is well, it because you are assigning like sexuality to her as a person no i think, it comes I think down he's to, just looking at it as like are you really bringing attention to the snake or are you trying to bring attention to yourself kind of thing? exactly it's one of those things where it's like oh my god look at my snake look how big he's gotten and literally the snake is one sixteenth of the photo and the rest of the photo is cleavage because the woman who's taking the photo clearly wants us to look at the cleavage and the snake is a joke or it's just their way of segueing or maybe it makes them feel better about taking the cleavage shot. I don't know. But my whole thing is if I see a, a girl trying to who, understand, Dom. right. If I have, if I see a woman or a girl who has posted a picture of herself with her friends in the bikini on a fucking vacation, then that's great. Good for her. I don't think she's trash for that. She's on vacation. But when I see a girl on Instagram where all of her pictures are debaucherous with reptiles and it happens to say PhD in the top of her profile, I'm not going to take it too seriously. I'm not. And I think that's that is your problem. I I think that I find that I find that hot because intelligence (laughs) is is attractive. And I think it. But I also think that we need to, like, separate our love of the animals from our attraction to their keepers, because that's kind of like a problem too, is that I should be able to exist in the hobby as a keeper and as a hobbyist outside of the fact that I am a woman and outside the fact that I'm a young woman who like people might be attracted to. And I think having that conversation and 
like specifying in your head and implicit bias is something that everyone has and you mentioned it about how like you have chauvinistic thoughts that you know aren't necessarily good so taking a step back and thinking why do i have this thought what's the root behind it and does it really change who this person is dr phil yourself right and that, and that <laughs> that's the difference between me automatically writing her off because of my programming if you want to call it that or me actually reading the fine print and seeing that she is a phd or seeing that she is not just some you know a booth bunny so to speak and mm-hmm. taking it seriously and then going from there but why does she have to have a phd for you to take yeah, her seriously she doesn't i was just using that as an example okay yeah so i think just like understand that's your thought okay but now what do i do about it because if you think like off the top of my head I can name five male keepers that most of the pictures I see of them are them shirtless or them in, in like really low cut like tank tops and stuff. And we don't even like those. Well, but I haven't. I have never. <laughs> we don't even like that. <laughs> I have never <laughs> written that off as someone that I can't take seriously because of what they're wearing. And I. Okay, but we might end up thinking about the same people. So you can like say, eh, but it just depends. So I just think that just it like, should just be something that we keep you in look mind. Real cool with that retic with no shirt, bro. Yeah, Cox. Just, yeah, Cox. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying, and I agree with you 110. percent I'm just saying that I'm trying to dissect why I've felt that way, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to dissect why a lot of people still feel that way, mm-hmm. and it is difficult to. It is difficult to turn off a certain opinion when the opinion keeps being perpetuated or, or the opinion. But I also is, think it's it. Go ahead. No, no. I was, I was basically done. What were you saying? It's an opinion that's outside the hobby. It's not exclusive yeah. to yeah. women in the hobby. If you saw a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition and it was all women with PhDs, you would not be thinking about their PhDs or necessarily. So it, it's just the idea in our head that we have sexualized other people and like put, um, put value of like how people look based on their intelligence as well um, is where that comes into play in my research. And this is something I've researched and I've looked into. So it's not coming from a place of, of total ignorance. No, no, it's, of course. Mm-hmm. See, but I think like I could take it a step further, I guess, because this is just, sort of people in general i just tend to see it more with women in the hobby is like instagram especially when i see more selfies than i do animals and it's meant to be an animal account i question if they're posting the animals and like is it is it more to show off the animals or is it more to just get the attention and this this is people too like guys too but like a good example I think of of someone who's like not like this is like Brittany from Ivory Exotics, who we've talked about on Six and Stogies, has like some of the coolest obscure stuff. Most definitely. And I have no idea what she looks like. Not a clue. And I don't really care, but it's awesome yeah. that she has stuff that a lot of guys in the hobby have no idea and what it even is. Yeah, and it goes from what Billy's told me, she's very knowledgeable about it too. So it's not like she's told by someone, Oh, these are rare or these are <laughs> cool, you should get them. She knows what she's looking at. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think, too, it goes back into our very early discussion we had. Where it's like, you can follow my reptile account for reptiles. You can follow my right. personal account for pictures of me. So if that's not the kind of account you want to follow, you don't have to follow it. But it doesn't make them 
lesser in their keeping because of what they choose to post. It just makes me, it's not even like a lesser or greater than sort of thing. It's more of a like, are you here to show that you have awesome animals or are you here to just be in the spotlight and get all the comments and get all the likes? And And that's their prerogative. And that's their prerogative. You know, and that doesn't have to be what you necessarily post or you necessarily enjoy, but it doesn't make it any less valuable. Also, it's fucking dumb anyways that we think that there's value in posting things on social media. Like this is like that, too, is like whether we're in, though. Yeah. But whether or not you have a a social media doesn't make you like it doesn't change the kind of animals you keep or like how, how you keep them and stuff. So this isn't a conversation that would be occurring like 20 years ago. It's not too far off from like the pet tuber thing, though, Mm -hmm. like. I I know I'm going to get this croc monitor. I know I'm not going to be able to handle it when it gets older. But I'm going to get it because this is totally going to get me so many subscribers and so much attention. And that's once again going back into... But that's anybody. That's not necessarily a male or female thing. Yes, but that's also following people who have the intelligence and have the knowledge versus following people who are doing it for fame and doing it for attention. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. The whole, like, just all the... You know, when I see... More selfies than I do snakes. I'm kind of like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm here for the snakes. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But they also have like massive followings in their comment section. It's, oh my God, you're so pretty. Oh my God, you're so, you're so hot. And it's like, why? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just. But some people I've, do blend their personal and their reptile they pages do. too. And I mean, there's, I don't, I don't know. I just, that was always something that I always just, I never really understood is like, what are we here for? So I, I have like selfies on my account. Do you think that it's makes not sense? every post? Yeah. But if it was, would you like not take me seriously? Well, it's not not taking somebody seriously. Mm-hmm. It's just, like I said, it's just wondering like, what, like, are you, are you here for, for the animals or are you here for the attention? Mm-hmm. Because no. there's plenty of people that I'm sure are like super knowledgeable. I can't mm-hmm. think of any off the top of my head as like a good example. Where they do, I mean, it is you know they post a ton of selfies and stuff like that, and they post a ton of you know animals and stuff like that. But it's like I just, I think a lot of them are, are like free handlers. I think are a prime example of this. Yeah, like, which are people that aren't necessarily clearly here for the attention. Yeah, yeah, and those are people already who aren't necessarily <coughs> like. I don't want to say like I don't want to generalize too much, but aren't necessarily the best representative mm-hmm. representation of the hobby. Um, but I also think um, personally, I post selfies on occasion, probably once a month and on my like account. Every once in a while, I, just, well, I post selfies every now and then. It's also because it's, <laughs> it's nothing when that's all I see. When yeah. it's supposed to be like a breeder account, or you're saying you're ball python breeder or whatever breeder, mm-hmm. chondro breeder, and all I see is you. Mm-hmm. It's like I want, I want to see chondros, man. Yeah. Like, and then you got the choice to unfollow. You're right. I don't disagree. It's gone on unfollow just, spree. Whatever. I do that every now and then. You just you get where I'm coming from, though. Like, no, I totally. I, I get where you're coming from. I can't yeah. Explain it very well. Yeah, and I think but. it's also just like how you use your social media and what your expectations of other social medias are, too. That's just. I mean, I'm. I'm. I have my personal account, which is a lot of cigars and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't. Your I account. Don't know. Your personal account is like prime for me to make memes out of because you it do is. every single one in black and white already. And you know I love it's that. Ready. It's ready. For, and I, have, I've tried have so fun. hard. Go nuts. <laughs> yeah. You do have a very quick turnaround time on that. Yeah, I'm really bored. Henry said, in defense of Phil, 
and to cement his point, I can't take Dr. Evan Anton seriously, and for all I know, he may be a good vet. So that's you know you know who that guy is. Mm-mm. He's this guy on Instagram. He's a he's a vet, mm-hmm. and of course he's he got like the lottery as far as genetics. Mm-hmm. He, I mean he's he's a handsome guy. Like yeah. he's, he's a pretty boy. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> that's probably not a good. I don't even know where Phil went. Yeah, uh, Phil probably got bit. But we didn't notice. I mean, uh, here I'll find him. Yeah, find him. He's a, that's a prime example, Henry. Good job. I like that. Henry coming in clutch. <laughs> Not the first time. It won't be the last. That's for sure. Man, did Phil die? I, he might have. If he died, he made sure to turn his mute on first. See? I mean, just like scroll through that. Yeah, and I think this is also someone who probably... I mean, I obviously don't know who this person is, but it's probably someone who built their platform and, like, recognized that that was... He had a lot of viral something. videos of him. He's out in, like, L.A. or something like that. It's just... It's a good example, I guess. Like, I don't... That doesn't necessarily make me take him any less seriously as a vet, and that's just because mm-hmm. I don't know how good of a vet he is. Like, he could be great at his job. He could be horrible at his job. There's plenty of bad vets. There's plenty of good vets. Yeah. And even if it were a woman, same thing. Like, there actually... There is a, a girl vet, actually, that bought a... I don't know if she bought a condo from Stiegel. Mm-hmm. But that's also, like, a... But I don't take her any less seriously as a result, but... But it's, it's, it's societal that we, like, put more... Like, like we said, we put emphasis on looks over education or over intelligence and we think that they are like one over the other but then also like instagram is a platform made to promote good looking people like it is a platform like social media is a platform of um selfishness first and foremost it's people wanting to show themselves off and if it's working to help promote their business and help promote who they are as a person like okay if that's not how you want to use it that's up to you let me see I don't know. She's she's done a couple pictures with Yeah, Cox made a good stuff. point. He said, so what I'm getting at is Justin is taking offense to people who use animals as props, then use the attention that our animals bring in to build their ego. Like they are riding our shoulders to build themselves up while not building up others. That's pretty accurate. Prop, yeah. prop is the best word for it. Mm-hmm. That's That's what I was looking for. See, Cox... He, he, he knows. He, he can knows. read your mind. It's and, and that's like the pet tuber thing. Like they could probably hate monitors. Mm-hmm. They got a croc monitor mm-hmm. that they can't handle because it's just too. It's it's crazy. It's too much. Mm-hmm. And I I think that once again goes into like someone in the hobby versus someone in the community. Yeah. Cause I think we've been lucky to, to build a, you know, we have a strong friend group. We've got like a, a solid group of people that we hang out with and talk with. Um, and those wouldn't necessarily be the people that we would associate with on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. but like they are still in the hobby and they still bring light to people in the hobby. And, and the, those, like those people who, those people are the people who bring people like me into the hobby who haven't, ever had a snake before and are yeah. getting into it late or, or kids who want to get their first leopard gecko like those pet tubers and people who are very showy with their animals and stuff like they have a very important place in building the foundation of the hobby for a lot of people so though we don't necessarily agree with it like it's something important to acknowledge uh, it's just my whole gripe with with that you know is like it can be done without the sensationalism it can be done without you know the uh, 
you know, I think Barcheck's a good example. Like, I will give Barcheck plenty of of credit in the terms of like exposing the hobby to people and getting. He's probably bought brought a ton of people into the hobby mm-hmm. that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I think even Jake's talked about it. Some of the you know the early Snake Bites videos, like he started watching those, and that kind of drew, you know drew him to snakes more. And mm-hmm. uh, so I do give credit where credit is due. It's just like, does it have to be such? Like a show doesn't have to be so sensationalized. Doesn't have to be like over dramatic, you know, overly dramatic and exaggerated. And that's kind of where my issue lies. It's like, it's just it's it's not that extreme. It's not an ex- like the whole venomous but it, thing. But it know? does if you want to get paid. Yeah. If you want to get paid, then your viewers are not the hobbyists or the community. Your viewers are the ones who are literally watching it just to watch you get injured. And you're going to get millions of followers because they want to watch you get hurt. No different than the Jackass series or any of the guys that, you know, they, they play with lions and everyone's waiting for them to get mauled. And they don't get mauled because they're research biologists, but they and they know what they're doing. But at the same time, people are watching it because they want to watch the bad. And that's the problem. It's just, It's not far away from sort of what Animal Planet has become of like... I got mauled by an alligator because I decided to go swimming in a pond in the yeah. middle of June. And it's now everyone's freaking out because if they see an alligator, they think that it's going to attack them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not like Fear that. the media. Like yeah. the venomous thing. Like I have the video of the Atrox showing basically, hey, venom, you know, keeping venomous isn't nearly as exciting and sexy as you guys think it is. <laughs> Here's three minutes of me putting in a bucket, taking it out of the bucket, locking the cage back. Mm-hmm. And instead, like if you had seen that on YouTube on any of the other bigger channels, it'd be like, "Oh, this is a you know a Western Diamondback, and it's super dangerous, and it's going to do this and that, and you know I'm going to let it roam for five minutes before I actually do what I need to do with it, and get it all riled up so that you get the reaction and you get the you know the the oohs and ahs, and it's just it's like it's not. I don't. And that, that goes back to what we talked about before, where you're not seeing you as the viewer are not seeing all the things that were done before. For what they showed you. Mm-hmm. You just watch. All of you guys who are watching this on video or, or, or digital, whatever we want to call it these days. You just watch me take out a Cobra. Okay, boomer. And it. <laughs> you know that? I said, okay, boomer. Yeah. You just watched me take out a Cobra and it did not hood up. And yeah, it was kind of a bummer because we want to see the hood, we want to see the showiness of the Cobra. But at the same time, that tells us that the animal is actually quite relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's not defensive in any way. I mean, yeah, he didn't like me grabbing his tail, but he's not acting defensively. As far as he knows, he's about to get fed or he's about to get his cage clean. So it's not glamorous when you see the realism of it. But mm-hmm. all the other people that are bothering the animal and upsetting the animal and getting it and getting it and getting it and getting it, and finally they get the shot they want, Meanwhile, the animal's exhausted because it's been worked for 30, 40 minutes, and we didn't see that. So that, to me, is a whole other level of, like, it's fucked up. I don't like it. And it all it just it circles back to the whole, like, are you doing this because you actually want to educate people, or are you doing this because it's the shock value? Yeah, right. absolutely. And, and just to go back to women, I'm sure there's a lot of women who happen to be quite attractive and knowledgeable and keep reptiles. You talking about me? Absolutely. (laughs) Keep going. And then then there's other ones that 
honestly are just doing it because they know they're pretty and they think that people are going to want to watch them get bit or, wanna, or hoping that they get bit. So they watch more, they click more and whatever else. And those yeah. are the real, those are not the real women of the hobby. And you can say the same thing about the men. And you can say the same thing about the men. Agreed. And Scott said professional behavior around Venomous is fucking boring. Which is true because the first it is time. Boring. It's not exciting. It's, it's not, not what people think it is. It's not Steve Irwin. It's not, you know, Austin Stevens. It's not this whole like. I'm dodging a Bothrops every time I go to work a, I know, mean, with any venomous animal. And it's like, yeah, there's species that are going to definitely be a little more lively and you're working with them. But if you do it the way you're supposed to, it's it's really a non-issue. It's like it's not that not that extreme. And like and I would argue that keeping in general is kind of boring. Oh yeah, no, totally. you know, like, like people, people like Condors are so awesome. Like those are the most boring snakes you'll ever keep. Yeah, because Scott, I, I believe it was Scott or it was Nipper. So I apologize. Um, made a comment earlier about Australian one's British. <laughs> okay, made a comment earlier about um, taking your animals out for pictures and stuff, and it should only be for medical and and for cleaning. I would say 98% of the pictures that you see of my animals are because they took a big shit below where they were. And so I pulled them out and I just cleaned them up and you know, and, and that's most of what we do as keepers is we take pictures through the glass and we clean up poop Mm -hmm. and we refill water bowls and do it again, you know? And, And so social media has sensationalized every part of life, not just reptile keeping. There's competitive knitting. There's things like that that you can do. We had a competitive crafting uh, club. Yeah, it's like you can make anything sensational. You can make anything competitive. It doesn't make it any better, more or less, than any other point of doing it. Scott says, Irwin was a wanker. Makes me sad. The message was good. The delivery was off. Correct. I, mean, I, still, I still have a framed picture of him in my house, though. I, I mean, as a kid, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> And then as you get older and you get more into the hobby, you're like, wow. We talked about this earlier today. We were having this conversation that we should have looked up to uh, Jeff Corwin. He was the real guy who's shown us how to do it, but but he was boring. And Jeff Corwin also turned out to be a lunatic PETA psycho. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So (laughs) you can write him off. (laughs) Great. What, what killed me with Irwin was when you watch it as an adult, you miss all the sound effects. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize as a kid watching Irwin going, oh, my God, look at this. This is so amazing. And then, like, clearly. The little death spikes adders, and punch sounds. Yeah, death adders don't make the whoosh sound. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, yeah. oh, look at this crocodile. It's going to go whoosh. Like, that that's, doesn't happen. But it's the same conversation we just had where we can be critical of Steve Irwin and of those pet tubers who do very sensational things, but we have to be thankful and like respectful of their part in building the hobby as a whole. To a degree. To a degree. We can be critical, but also I don't give recognize. free any credit. I wouldn't put them as people who are necessarily benefiting the hobby as a whole. Brad said about 95% of videos are narcissistic and not educational. Mm-hmm. And then Cox said there's sensational fish channels on YouTube. There is. For God's oh sakes, my gosh. Which is like, really? I was kicked out of a sensational Dude, fish tubers group. This beta, if I put it facing this other beta, it'll hit the glass until it dies. Yeah. 
What what do they mean by sensational fish channel? Uh, like like building a three thousand gallon aquarium in my basement. That's how all of them talk. So and then it'll be like uh, killer fish, and it's like two inch like red belly. Oscars. <laughs> Usually it's piranhas, and and then it's the same people who get. I mean, you see it in reptiles too. It's people who get babies of these predatory fish or something similar and then you know they're going to outgrow that tank and they're not going to show you that part where they have to give the animal away because they can't take it but they're going to bring you in with the idea of them building this incredible thing yeah that sucks i don't watch that stuff and learning this makes me not want to yeah and Cox said, I bet Dominique has a framed picture of Jesus next to a crucifix and then under that it's Irwin um Cox you've been to my house you know it's a shrine it's not just a, a frame. So <laughs> she has a lock of his hair in a vial. I'm gonna be doing uh, on Halloween with the full moon. I did some uh, I did some spells. We'll see how with it the goes. The Ouija board. Yeah. And a um, pentagram made of crystals. <laughs> no Ouija boards. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, like guys getting fish, quote unquote, stolen that grow too big. Yeah. Oh, someone yeah. broke in and stole the only Oscar I had. What a shame. Didn't take anything else. My and you see with a lot of these people, too. My koi. You see, you see with a lot of these people, too, um, it seems like the most uh, watched videos they have are their videos of failures of the animals that died or the that's, ecosystems that... social media thing, too. And the ecosystems like, that broke down because they didn't do proper planning and they didn't... They don't actually know what they're talking about and it has nothing to do with their looks. It has to do with the fact that they are just trying to get attention. I can keep an elephant in my closet, but at the end of the day, it's still an elephant. Yeah. See you later, Scott. It's nice speaking with you. Bye. It's... It's one thing to tell everyone, here's the mistakes I made, here's how you can avoid it. It's another thing to be like, I failed, and be like five minutes of, this is what happened, and it's like, well, I got another one. And it's, you know, to fix that, I just bought a second. And I think that's something, I mean, I work very hard not to come across as someone who absolutely knows everything they're talking about, because I I don't think I do, and I think that's something that um, also maybe is just something, as a woman in the hobby, um, I struggled a lot with making the decision to make a Facebook account that was specific to my animals or making an Instagram specific to my animals, which, um, because I didn't want to make it come across as attention seeking or like I'm holier than thou in any way. Um, so I try to, I'm pretty open with my failures on my, uh, on my animals. And like one of my most watched videos is 30 minutes of me peeling snake skin because one of my animals got stuck shed. And that is obviously, not what I want to be known for, but it's also something that I'm open with the fact that I've messed up and I think we all need to be willing to take advice and admit when we've messed up. But also I didn't mess up, get rid of the animal and buy a new one to replace it because I didn't want anyone to know that that's what was going on. Which I think is seen often um, on those people with sensational YouTube channels or other accounts similarly there was there was a point in time when i was like in high school in the hobby where i like i would never want to admit that i did not that i was like i didn't like getting bit and i didn't i wasn't one of those guys that could just go and grab anything and get lit up and not care right and i don't know why because looking back on i'm like who cares 
because now I'm like, I still hate getting bit. I don't like getting bit. Who likes getting bit? It sucks. Yeah. But for some reason, it was like admitting that you're you're kind of a bitch when it comes to getting bit, which I am. Was mm-hmm. it was like I don't I don't want anybody to know, you know, because I had a video of me talking about this. It's, I don't know how long ago this was, but it's my old YouTube channel. I'll have to find it and send you the link because it's it's pretty dumb. Uh, but I got bit by one of the Amazons when I was talk- doing a video. It was one of the super calm ones that I never had any issues with, and it just randomly just grabbed me, and I dropped it. And I got really self-conscious, and I, like, deleted the video. Because you didn't want people to see that you, like, dropped it? Yeah. I got bit by a baby berm on the finger, and I whipped my hand back. And that baby berm flew all the way across Whing. the garage and hit the garage door and was stunned. And I felt horrible, but at the same time, I didn't feel like a natural reaction. That's a natural reaction. Yeah. You know, and when you're 18, you know, you're still learning, you know, what's what. And yeah, I I also think that a lot of us now, because of the social media, are apprehensive to show our faults because the viewers that we want to see it for the, for the, to help them out for the future, to not let them make our mistakes. That's a small percentage, and the rest of it's going to be the trolls, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think I I respect people more who are willing to talk to me about um, – you don't have to post it, but if you're willing to tell me about something that messed up and, like, help me with that, like, I respect you more, and I, I feel more comfortable. Is, yeah, but, but I feel – There's a very big difference in constructive criticism and just being an ass. Yeah, it's and really I – an but I'm, I'm, like, more comfortable talking to someone if I – like, Andy Middleton's a really good mm-hmm. – example of that like Andy's a good friend of mine and I'm very grateful to know him in the hobby um he's one of my go-tos when I'm struggling with an animal and he will give me advice based on people he've known who have had similar issues or his own issues himself and he's like willing to share that with me which always makes me feel like Andy's not going to judge me if I did something stupid like I, I had a, a green tree regurgitate a couple weeks ago and it was because I didn't wait long enough to mess with them again. And I know that and I got cocky with my animal and it, the animal suffered because of it. And to like talk with Andy and be like, hey, like help me troubleshoot this or even talk with you, Justin or Phil. And like you guys are like, yeah, we've had that happen before. It makes me feel <laughs> like idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. It makes me feel like less dumb and more supported in the hobby, too. I and just it, I don't I don't think it's as scrutinized as it used to be. I think it depends like, on the mistake. I think maybe it depends on the platform that you're sharing. Maybe mm-hmm. it's because I like I I don't care. Like I've I've done a lot. I've screwed up a lot. But especially with green trees, though, like I if I kill a green tree because of something stupid I've done, that's probably an easy mistake someone else could make. I'm gonna let it be known. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want somebody. It's too late for me, but you can still save yourself, kind of thing. Like. Mm-hmm. Learn yeah. from my fuck up. Yeah. And I think it's having the confidence in, in, in your keeping too. Um, I am confident that I am doing the best at keeping that I can be because mm-hmm. I've had the support and like learned from that. And so I shared this on a couple groups last year. I had a green tree get caught behind the radiant heat panel. Oh yeah. I remember that. And I had to use a power drill to unscrew the whole thing and get them out. And I was terrified And it was something that I was like really back and forth about posting about, but I was like, okay, well, if someone else has this heat panel and they don't know that there's this gap and their animal Mm -hmm. suffers because I was too um, proud to tell someone else about it, 
that's kind of on me. So I took a step back and, you know, let my pride kind of take a hit in that regard. Um, you know, then that's, that's okay. But if I act as if I've never done anything to mess up my animals or done anything that could harm my animals because I want to be seen in a specific light, I think that looks worse on me as a person than it does that I made a mistake and owned up to it. Oh, I don't, we're also because of the internet, like no one's in any position to like judge somebody else because of a mistake. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like you talk to, and especially chondros come to mind because I mean I've I've killed my fair share of chondros, be it you know reasons of my own or because of something else. But like, um, no, if someone piped up and was like, "Oh, you're an idiot for letting that happen," it's like, "Oh, okay, you've you've never accidentally done something like mm. you've never screwed up with a snake and like maybe accidentally bumped your thermostat because if you're using like the hobby stats with the knobs like yep. you've never bumped that and didn't notice you bumped it mm-hmm. you're an idiot it's like congratulations like, you, you know haven't things yet right it's a yet it's you haven't done that yeah. yet and so it's just, that's that's kind of the thing that i i see i have seen that a little bit on facebook groups and stuff like that is like someone makes a simple mistake and they're like you're an idiot for doing that and it's it's like anybody could have done that mm-hmm. you know if someone's been in the hobby for 40 years makes some stupid mistake yeah. Kill something. It happens. Like you, if you're in this hobby long <laughs> enough, you're gonna lose animals. Mm-hmm. Be it something you can control or something you can't. Yeah. I'm nervous. I know. I lost. I lost a leopard gecko when I was younger, and that was my first real herp. But I was ten, and I had it for like two months. But I know I'm gonna be crushed when I lose my first animal for real. Because it does go back to the pride thing and like doing your best by the animal, but it's gonna happen. Like, I was like, it's amazing how we live in a time where. So many more people are sharing our same tastes and our same interests, but they're still apprehensive to share their knowledge. And that's something I learned really bad with Knobtails is that nobody wanted to tell me how to keep things alive. And it wasn't like those guys that call up Eric Burke and say, hey, can you tell me, give me the recipe in one paragraph on how to breed carpet pythons? It wasn't like that. I get that. You you want them to do their own homework the same way that you did yours. But like... The apprehensiveness or the legit lack of sharing of knowledge with knobtails is what drove me so much to learn as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And I've lost a lot of knobtails. I've lost a lot of knobtails, lost a lot of money, and I've learned from all of them. And I think I've got it pretty dialed in now, but I guarantee you on any of the podcasts I've been on, whether it be our stuff or you know, with Joe or you know, Eric Owen or whomever. I guarantee you there's somebody on there reading reading it or listening to it going, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm sure they've commented on it. And I don't really care because they never owned up to help me or vice versa. They never asked me for help. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, just it's really frustrating. I think, too, it's like, okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. Teach me. Yeah. Teach teach me what you know that I don't yeah. and don't keep it to yourself and gatekeep the community as a whole. Because at the end of the day, we should all be focused on the welfare and love of the animals. And if you know something I don't that is going to give my animal a better life, tell me. I want to know how I can make sure that the animal that I have chosen to keep in captivity is going to thrive. Yeah. Even yeah. if that's keeping it in a black tub in my closet where I can never see it again, that's fine. But I want to know that that is that I am doing the best I possibly can for the animal I have. Yeah, I agree. And that uh, that ties right into the whole like 
naturalistic versus simple setups thing and people telling you how you should or shouldn't keep things mm-hmm. and it's like eh, if it works it works we don't know how these animals feel or think and maybe you we know, will one day maybe we will and they're gonna look at us but and until be like then, paper towels you know my condors don't seem to give a shit they take or, they're, or they're gonna look at us and we'll have the you know the the translator translate your pet's thoughts and <laughs> be like dude you switch from from bounty to you know, no-name brand pepper towels? What the hell, bro? I was digging the bounty. <laughs> you never know. What's this generic bullshit? Yeah, what's this just, recycled paper? I just hope they never really, like, let them get too much of a thought. Because I don't want them to judge me. You don't like My animals be like, oh, that ugly bitch. <laughs> what? You don't, you don't, you don't what did like you say? I didn't time. hear you. I was saying, you don't like the snake jazz? What? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you guys don't watch Rick and Morty? No. Oh, there's a whole planet of snake people, but they're like in the 1950s, and they're listening to snake jazz. It's amazing. You have to watch it. All right, send me a link. Take your word for it. Yeah. And it, I don't know. If anybody tells me that I'm an idiot for screwing up, I'm just going to laugh and tell them to go fuck themselves. Because it's like, Give me a break. Like, you cannot tell me that if you've been in this hobby for any number of years that you haven't screwed up. Yeah. And you know, whether your snake lived or not, that's one thing. But you still, like, a mistake is a mistake. And it's so interesting to me to see, like, I don't know if it's because people um, are just more less removed. But, like, I don't know any other hobby where people are so willing to be aggressive and then also just, like, gatekeeping like we said like trying to keep the knowledge to themselves like i i can't you know going back to like crafting and stuff like if you have a question about cross stitch no one's gonna be like "Mm, i can't tell you what kind of needle i use it's it's you'll you'll learn when you mess up and make a whole like shut up like that's just there's something about like keeping reptiles that's so inherently prideful that i just i hope we can grow out of just like learning to ride a bike you have to fall off of it a few times Mm mm-hmm before you learn how to really master it. Yeah. And it's going to Phil hurt. fell off his bike a lot. I yeah, jeez. Phil still has training wheels, basically. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I don't... Apparently, I mean, according to... Like Scott was saying a couple episodes back uh, on Snakes and Stogies, like, apparently the whole gatekeeping and hush-hush information, like, trade secret thing is way worse in Australia than it is here. Oh, I can only imagine. Which is, I mean, I feel like the hobby here in the States is pretty open when it comes to that. But, I mean, granted, that's, like, Condra guys usually seem to be pretty open. Um, You know, I could see, like, maybe ball pythons in, like, certain jeans or something like that. Kind of keeping things under wraps. Oh, my God, ball pythons in their jeans. People... I don't know. Retics. Like, I don't see it, but I don't deny that it's there. Yeah. Well, I also think it's just, there's not... Okay, I don't want to say they're new, but green trees are still in the beginning phase of being really integrated into the hobby, right? Like you see in Europe, there are like, there's specific lines and there are a couple like albinos. Once we get a pied green tree, world's going to explode. That'll be the second coming. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I don't know. It'll be $50,000. I don't, I don't think they'll, they'll ever get to the level of any of the really popular species just because they are like breeding them and stuff and babies. It's like if you're a glutton for punishment, then sure. But Mm -hmm. 
getting babies going and stuff. I think that's going to drive so many people away from them ever really taking off and getting popular. Mm -hmm. It's all about the money. (laughs) If you're in it for the money, you're in the wrong hobby. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. That's what, (laughs) that is what gets the exposure is the money. Oh, it's rare. I want it. That's, and we've talked about this a thousand times. Do you want it because it's amazing or do you want it because it's expensive? Yep. You know? And I think that, you know, you just said, you know, a piebald green tree by those going to be, you know, $300,000. <laughs> what makes you think that they haven't already done it? I don't know. I feel like it would be ugly. I feel like what makes you think that they haven't already done it and they realized that for whatever reason they didn't want it to get out and they kept it a secret. Who knows? We'll never I know. Mean, frankly, I don't even find the albino chondras to be anything all that life-changing. No. Spectacular. It looks like a yellow kofiow. I was going to say, I like the normal Kofi Owl better. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even Kofi Owls are kind of overrated. It's like, okay, it's just a yellow chondro. You want a yellow chondro, get a you know a high yellow Bioc or something. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. It's but just, it's also preference. Yeah, you know, it we is. We talked about how we like green snakes. I just like green snakes. So I always want green animals. It's just the albinos. It's like it's a yellow chondro. I just, everyone wants them. And I like. Like and that, I think that's a prime example of it's the rarity factor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not knocking Marshall Mendez or any of the guys working with the albino stuff. It's just like everybody wants it because there's so few to say they have it. People want to be the the guy that produces more of them, yeah. and it's yeah. not like because, like I said, they really don't. They're not anything that wonderful. Well, it's, typically. This is like a, a little bit, I don't want to say it's a stretch, but I was listening to a podcast. It was obviously not snake related, but it talked about um, how a lot of designer brands for like clothing or bags and stuff will give out limited edition items to like influencers and then list them on their website as sold out. Okay. So the only people who have these are those influencers and now everyone wants one when in reality, it's probably nothing better but but i also don't want to knock the people who have put they do effort and years of experience into getting these animals because that is like part of it and like you got to give them credit where credit's due but it just might not be for everyone they they do it in cigars all the time you know we only made 500 boxes of these and they're they're made for this one retailer it's like why are you even telling us about it then yeah like why why you know your inbox is going to blow with guys who are like, hey, man, how do I get these? And they're going to be like, fuck you. you know. That's what they want. They want the exposure. Right. They want the clicks. They it's want the hype. likes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many times have they said, oh, this is a limited edition cigar, and there's only 1,000 made, and then you do the math in your mind about how many stores are repping it, and that's clearly three or 4,000 cigars. Yep. So it's all sales shit. Which, I mean, that's still, that's not a lot of cigars in the grand scheme of things. Right, but, uh, yeah, but like, we that. have, so we have the the Steve Saka, the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Unicorns. So they only made a thousand of them. They're a hundred dollars a piece. While you talk uh, cigars, I'm going to go pee. Okay. hundred dollars a piece. And I, you know, the Saka stuff is starting to kind of come around for me. Like I'm starting to sort of enjoy it a little more. But right. I have a feeling if I spend a hundred dollars on that. Don't die. I just kicked everything in the garage. Oh, yeah. If I spend $100 on that, I feel like I'm probably going to be pretty disappointed. I would never spend $100 on that. 
I mean, I would out of out of curiosity, like if I had a hundred dollars just floating around, and be like, yeah, I'll nope. try one. But, Think about how much other cool stuff you do with that hundred bucks. Not for me. Uh, now, if you told me, hey Phil, you have the option of buying a King Louis for a hundred bucks, I would in a New York minute buy a King Louis for a hundred bucks. And then and then it, I would really wonder if it was worth it. But I feel like that that cigar in particular, I feel like they're totally targeting those those cigar snobs. That'll smoke it just to say they smoked it. Yeah, yes, yeah, true. Because I guess that somehow impresses people. I mean, dude, that's why I, that's why I bought that's why I would buy the King Louis for a hundred bucks because I could say, yeah, I smoked one, wasn't anything special, and be that fucking douche, you know. <laughs> it's interesting, but then it's it's funny is with the like the snake hobby, like you think about rough scale pythons. And rhino rats and stuff that used to be like nobody had it, and it was such a thing. And then they started sort of people, more people started breeding them, and they started kind of getting out more. And everyone was kind of like, meh, they're yeah. cool. But before, yeah. like ten years ago, twelve years ago, fifteen years ago, they were like, dude, that's like the holy grail. Oh my god. Well, well, Marcus breaks my balls all the time because Marcus got on a roughy kick, and he's like, dude, I really think I should get these rough scales. And I was like. Meh, they're brown, you know, whatever. I mean, they are cool. I want some, but it's and like, dude, I gotta get my hands on them right now. And I actually, I, I talked to him into doing brettles, and he did. He got a couple of brettles, but the more I hung out with you guys, the more Morelia I got, the more I'm like, oh my god, I need rough scales. And Marcus is like, you suck. We could have had them already. I was gonna buy them. You're <laughs> so, so it goes, man. And that's and that makes that just makes you wonder how much that rarity factor plays into the people's desire for them. Well, for me, it came down to it being a red chondro with blue eyes, a rock chondro, a, a red chondro with blue eyes with the head of a carpet, and that was cool. The blue eyes really did it for me. Mm-hmm. But if they were a hundred bucks or they were five thousand bucks, I still would feel the exact same way about. Them. Sorry, I'm laughing because um, Ryan Cox just texted me that he got in trouble with Facebook. <laughs> he got reported as uh, writing an extremely violent threat because apparently at some point in the chat, he said he was going to stab you with a turkey baster. Oh, yeah, he did say he was going to stab me with a turkey baster. <laughs> so he just, I think he got kicked off the chat. Wait, what happened? <laughs> Cox just texted us that he um, made a comment saying he was going to stab Justin with a turkey baster. On Facebook in the chat, he got and he got zucked as giving an extremely violent threat. Mother sucker! Wow! <laughs> wow! Which is excellent. Good old nanny state. My gosh! Freedom of speech, my ass. You don't get freedom of speech on private platforms. <laughs> to the terms and conditions. And Bill said, unless you're neck deep in Moralia, something like Ruffy's is only the rarity factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at ball pythons, most new ball python species. Actually, not species. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <Damn>. Um, <laughs> most new ball python morphs just look like messed up normals, in my opinion. And they're yellow going bellies, to. I will never understand the yellow belly thing. I'm there's like, that's, one. That's a normal bro. There's. Sorry. I mean, I can look at them every single day, and I 
just it, it doesn't even have that yellow of a belly. I don't understand. The cha- if it's a different color than a normal, great. If it is some obscure new morph that are almost the exact same as a normal, but maybe the head stamp is slightly different, I'm never going to be able to tell you the difference. And you can't it's, ask me to pay ten thousand dollars for that. I think it's the same hype as the locality thing. Yeah, like it gets people take it two extremes mm-hmm. where they're like this altern is from this one rock cut uh you know this far away from this county and it's like they only like it's just, there's only two of them in the hobby and it looks like pretty much any other gray band mm-hmm. and i'm like that doesn't that that holds no weight for me mm-hmm. but just, see contrast too you see those rare chondro like the way goes and stuff like that or why goes you don't see this very often or the numb force mm-hmm Numbers just look like a very just green biop. Like they don't really like. I got a num for it's like. What does it look like? But and also like, at oh. this point, how do we know? How do you know that's, well, that's what you have? That's my biggest argument with that too. Is like how many people like how many hands has this changed? Mm-hmm. How many people have had this animal? Yeah, you know, even just from the time of like importation, like capture importation, and then someone buys it, and then someone else buys it from that person, and mm-hmm. then you get it from that person. It's like. There's a lot of hands that that animal's gone through. So that's why I always, like with locality, green trees especially, I take all of them kind of with a with a with at least a smidge of skepticism as to how accurate the, the locality is. And, you know, even people that are like pure biok. Unless you buy it at Petco, then it's a biok. <laughs> yeah, I just... Most of the time. The purity thing, it's like, yeah, okay, it looks like a biok. It, it has the very stereotypical biok... Uh, phenotype and appearance and it's like yeah it may be pure because that's an island locality sure but it's like you also don't know if at some point down the line if this was brought in or captive bred you know if it was crossed at a farm with something else like there's just unless you go and get it yourself i think there's there should always be a degree of skepticism with Mm -hmm. any condor localities um because i mean you also have like manaquaries which there's there's a handful of different looks to manaquaries they you know there's a couple different kinds that if you saw me be like that looks just like a you know a cyclops mountain and it's like well those are kind of the same um it's just it's all marketing you know trying to get get more money out of the out of the deal and that's perpetuated by an influx of social media users and instagram accounts and all that yeah, Brad said it. Unless you caught it yourself and can document, you don't know. Dom has to go. I have to go. My mom is here. My ride is here because we have to drive back to Ohio tomorrow morning. Gross. I know. I'll be down here eventually. I'll make it way. I'll make my way south one year, one day. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to speak with you guys and record it. Where do you people follow you? Oh, you can find me on Facebook at DeFalco Reptiles and then on Instagram at DeFalco Reptiles. Um, If you are interested in joining um, our women's group, it is Female Herpers and Reptile Keepers. And if you can't find it, feel free to shoot me a message and I'll direct you in the right way. Thanks so much. Yeah. We will see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.